You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for Wolf, Natalie Biancheri, and the star, George Mackay. Once there was a place in the woods where they sent people who didn't fit into the real world. Welcome, Jacob. Species identity disorder can be cured so that a person who thinks themselves an animal can resume a happy, healthy, and rewarding life. I want to do it. It's the best thing for everyone. You're all going to end up wonderful human beings. They say the wolf and the wildcat are natural enemies. But they're wrong. How long have you been here? Since I can remember. I'm putting you out of your misery. We call him the zookeeper. Keep clear of him. Ever think of running away? Only one person ever did. I've always had this feeling, these instincts. Stop. You're gonna get us caught. I can't. It's a cruel, cruel world. Once upon a time, there was a wolf and a wild cat. I wanted to live happily ever after. It's not just about surviving, but surviving is me. Do you really think you can have a life with that boy? But life is no fairy tale. Is it? Uh, George, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How, how are you? I'm doing really, uh, well, I'm very busy today. I think I have like almost close to 10 interviews today. So it's been a very, very crazy day. <laughs> Very, very quickly. <laughs> hey, no, no, you're fine, man. Hey, listen, I'm just happy to get a chance to chat with you because I've been loving your career trajectory uh, these past couple of years. It's just been really, really fascinating to see. And you're continuing to push yourself into very exciting new territory, Wolf being obviously the latest here. Um, can you first start off by telling me a bit about what your reaction was when you got the screenplay? Because this role is obviously asking a lot of you, and I'm curious to know what your initial thoughts were. Oh man, it was, I guess, excitement, like, mm -hmm. and slightly intimidated. Um, but I, I just loved the sort of, uh, the, the complex of the film, like uh, the complex of Jacob, just as a jumping off point. It's just, it's so kind of rich in terms of possibilities of how to express that. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I loved Natalie's script and I just kind of felt there's a real, strength and vision there's a kind of there was a real sort of clarity to the writing as well and the kind of the definition of the world but then within that it kind of in all of those really strong kind of like almost box-like structures and questions and scenarios there was like it's just filled with like it's a kind of blank canvas for the sort of the the, the, the kind of the possibility of how to express that you know mm -hmm. Even those scenes that kind of get cut out in the film where like the visuals are so strong but then the kind of the way in which, but inside of that, the doing of it, there's kind of so much color. Um, so it was just excitement really. Um, but then simultaneously to reading the script, I also, there was an amazing kind of pitch document, which, uh, or like a lookbook, uh, where Natalie sort of put out her vision and, and, um, and in part of that, she also specified that whoever took the role would, um, would get to work with Terry Notary, who, um, who was our movement coach, who, who would sort of help us find the animal side of things. And yeah. Terry's done an amazing sort of motion capture work in Planet of the Apes and things. 
but he's also in that film. Do you know the, the, the film The Square? Oh yeah, no, I'm very familiar with Terry's work for uh, sure. You know, like, but but that sort of, in a sense, when they kind of made that connection, I remember seeing that scene in the cinema of Terry at the dinner, and being like blown away. Mm-hmm. And like this film is the entire film is that kind of possibility of like doing strange as hard as you can, but not strange for strange sake, but like committing to something unique, you know? And, and, and so I was kind of really inspired by the, you know, the possibility of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know, did you sustain any injuries uh, doing this? Cause it is such a physical uh, role in many ways and you're throwing yourself around a lot. I, I was just curious to know whether any, uh, any bumps or bruises <laughs> on the knuckles. I tell you like doing those on the kind of, doing that again and again the, in the, initially those first weeks but actually that there's you know the scene with the diary entry where his diary's read to him yeah kind of an amalgamation of what natalie initially scripted and then my own character diary entries and kind of articulating a lot of the things which i found difficult in in crawling because of sort of having done it for you know the months preparing for the for the for the film was finding like you know, the kind of the heartbreaking thing of like this, this stuff, I just kind of, my body just can't do that. And I feel like I'm sort of working against something to try and be the thing that I should be and, or, or that I feel that I want to be. Um, and that, you know, and those kind of things are simple stuff with the knuckle or like the way that your head doesn't hang correctly or your, you know, your bum not sort of being in the angle that it should, it wasn't just sort of an aesthetic thing, but like the kind of those discomforts, um, you know, they sort of were really kind of actually quite informative to the character and, and, you know, wound themselves into that into that scene. Well, speaking of the character, curious to know as an actor and you're looking at a character on a page, what is your entry point here? Because obviously this is such a unique thing that this character is dealing with. So, I mean, it's like, what what was your entry point here in a way that you were able to relate most with Jacob? I think it's a mixture of like, there's this sort of actor part of uh, part of you, which is like the kind of the creative challenge of it and, mm-hmm. and of it. But on a kind of personal point of view, I guess, as you say, it's a very specific condition and circumstance that the character has in, and is in. But I think that specificity kind of speaks to a much larger sense of feeling discomfort in your own body mm-hmm. or not necessarily even in your own body, but feeling a kind of discomfort in in yourself and and a kind of uh what's the word I don't, I don't, not, that you're not sort of harmonizing with kind of where you're at at the mm-hmm. minute and, and that can be like that could be like you know your first days at school that can be like in a job in a city in a relationship in like just in yourself like that thing where you kind of you just that that sort of when you're not kind of at harmony with what sort of where you're at and I think, you know, I've felt that in various degrees at different points throughout life. And, and I think everyone does to varying degrees. And I guess it's sort of, it's sort of tapped into that. And it was about sort of taking those kind of, those moments of sort of emotional memory in your life and kind of then, you know, inserting them into and kind of turning them up and really opening them up all the more. Yeah. And just changing the context of them to, to Jacob. Yeah. 
I know that obviously you have top billing on this film and such, but you're not the only one that's having to give uh, such a committed, inhabited performance here. So um, you're working opposite other actors in this movie that are also having to become these uh, animals. And so in that sense, I'm, I'm curious to know, was there like any kind of... That, like, did you all like like prep the movements together? What was like the collaboration like between you and working with the other actors? No, it was um, I I was kind of very lucky that the the first week of prep so initially was scheduled, which is very rare for film. It was going to yeah. be four, so it was going to be a week just myself, Natalie, and Terry to kind of workshop the wolf, take two weeks off, and then three weeks as an entire company to kind of rehearse the story and the world and experiment. And then to film. And in that two week gap, so we had the one week with myself, Natalie and Terry and a bunch of stuff sort of kind of unearthed itself with Jacob and the wolf, which was mm. so exciting. And then in that two weeks fortnight, the pandemic hit big time and the lockdown. Oh. And so the film got pushed by three months. And so actually, so it, although be it for a kind of very serious, you know, not not very good reason, but the, 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 the way that, that the way that time opened up actually kind of allowed that sort of very personal work to kind of to have time to bed in and to get practiced over months and months and months so it was actually kind of an individual journey in that sense and then when we came together it was it like it's also a different thing i think in terms of and so we'll just go back when we first came together it was just like the very first thing that we did is we i think we had like a dance session where mm -hmm. they were like I, natalie was like got me to lead Everyone were like, we're just playing like simple drama games of like follow the leader in terms of movement and just doing the silliest thing that you could to kind of break the ice. And then we kind of went into these long, long, long improvisations with different animals. So I was like, you know, a fish or a turkey or something like that. Oh, wow. And, and it kind of just freed everyone up. So you kind of just got all those sorts of cobwebs out and all the initial nerves of like, you know, I hope my animal's good. <laughs> everyone's been stupid. Everyone's failed hard everyone's and then it was a kind of easier segue into kind of being your animal yeah uh, so it was a kind of very mutual i don't know it was pretty mutual in, in that sense but uh, but it was there was also there's always a bit of separation with jacob in terms of i think him as a person him as an animal and again not it's difficult because i don't mean to speak about other characters characters but i think that perhaps with jacob there's a sort of there's a more animal connection, I think, with Jacob. I think there's something slightly deeper with, to me, he is a wolf in the wrong body. And I think some of the other characters might be more of kind of what the therapists are suggesting is, is, yeah, is the case, is that you're sort of using, whatever trauma you're going through, you're sort of using the animal as a kind of vehicle for that. Where to me, Jacob didn't have a particularly traumatic life. He just, his trauma was that he is a wolf. Yeah. Uh, Patty Considine has in my opinion, some of the most intense moments in this film with your character, Jacob. And I was curious to know if uh, anything was at all improvised to get a, a, a genuine reaction out of you of fear, or was it all heavily uh, rehearsed and scripted and such? It was, no, it, they, they kind of like, the take sort of ramped up. I mean, they were sort of, they were always sort of pretty much what was scripted, but we did do a lot of improvisations to um, in the week before we started filming, mm. which unearthed so much stuff about the character about their relationship and then also about the character as well because i remember the first time i, I sort of because i worked with paddy once before but the first time i met him in this context nat kind of put us together in a room and kind of had a one-on-one -on -one 
improv where it's just like, this is your induction and Dr. Man's kind of going to have his first session with you. And Paddy very played it. And I know him as the big baddie. And so I'm kind of ready to be like, you know, fuck you, you know, like you're not going to get me. <laughs> and he just was so pleasant and kind of was like, okay, well, talk me through it. So this is what's going on. And, um, uh, and he was asking me all these questions and I was just answering honestly as you have to. And then he started saying things with like, and, uh, and do you have hands? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. So you say you agree that you have hands. Yes, I, I do have hands. And do you have feet? Do you have a, and he sort of started unpicking this whole, you know, unpicking my wolf. And I was kind of like that. And it, but it was so fantastic for me to, to kind of be a bit like, well, that is what Jacob's kind of constantly wrestling with is like, I am this thing, but I'm not this thing. I don't know how to level with that. And um, so, yeah, so, but, but in terms of the scenes, we kind of, I think that some of the time they ramped up, but they were always kind of pretty much what was what was in the script. Yeah, no, totally. And then the other thing too that really stood out to me in this, uh, and it's it's very very brief, it's super brief, but your character uh, feels most at home being in the the woods, the forest, the outdoors, whatever you want to call it, right? I could not help but draw a comparison to Captain Fantastic when I saw those moments. And right. uh, I, I, I just, I, I, it's not really a question. It was just more of an observation of here is a place where, once again, you're playing a character who feels most at home being in nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that I hadn't really thought about that, but it is, I think, I mean, I'm, I was raised in the city. I was very lucky to kind of also sort of spend a lot of time in the countryside growing oh, up. Oh, nice. But I kind of I live in the city now. I live in London. Mm-hmm. But I do feel very calm in in nature. And I think there's also there's there's so much we 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 live so far away from it. Kind of beautiful. I mean, even this, it's an incredible thing that we get to zoom like this. I mean, like I, I'm not going to be flipping in terms of that thing of like you know everyone put their phones away because I also I love a FaceTime and I love texts and emails are very useful. Yeah. But, I, th- I feel some of the time like that's some of the most important work that we did with Terry to begin with in finding the animal before we got to crawling or howling or all the sort of aesthetic stuff was like, what is it to be wild? And what is it to stay away from being human? Yeah. And the biggest thing is clearing your mind of thought because, you know, the thought is this constant monologue, almost unconscious monologue of like, what's this? And, and, and about, and he, and he sort of, Terry did this thing about kind of finding the look of the animal, which hopefully we get across at certain points where it was like, and he could, he could drop into it because of all his amazing animal work of like, when you lose all self-consciousness and that doesn't, that to me in my head, that equates to arrogance, but it's not, it's just that thing of like, I don't, I'm not concerned with what anyone thinks. And therefore, when I look at you, there's a sort of vacancy, but also it's like, you're looking into their soul because it's sort of, it's a, I don't know how to articulate other than sort of just cutting the bullshit, cutting the noise. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of, that, that is what nature is. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing kind of, it's not, it's not hemmed in. It's not, it's not tailored. It's not any, it just is what it is. And that's a very powerful thing. And I don't think we, we don't really get time to, to be that nowadays. Like, you know, no. for better or for worse, you know, there's, a, we're all kind of a tailored socialized versions of ourselves and that's important and that's there's there's great beauty that's come with that but also i i i love when you sort of kind of get back to that very beginning sort of state without sounding really wanky you know (laughs) i hear you and then um kind of to wrap things up here your character jacob does not have many happy days in the facility obviously but what was a happy day on set for george 
uh forest days were good being out in nature i mean like genuinely like i also love the therapy scenes mm-hmm. i thought watching all the other actors doing the you know doing doing their doing their thing and and the sort of structure of it i kind of i remember when that first therapy scene we spent kind of all day on and i, I i'm that's one thing i love about film in general is it's the fact that you spend all day on a very sort of finite piece of material and um yeah and, and just that, that thing of like a feeling of like we're picking off a layer we're picking off a layer we're finding stuff we're finding stuff and we were finding stuff every day when we were doing the film um so that was it was always a happy day really in that sense I love that. And we always wrap up our interviews here on the next best picture podcast by asking what is next? Uh, we loved your work in 1917. I really, really loved the risks that you took with this role. And I would just, you know, if, if you can tell us, uh, I would love to know what's next for uh, George Mackay. So, so the next coming out is, um, is a film in January called Munich, the edge of war, which is a thriller set um, in the year before the second world war. Um, uh, and it's uh, yeah, it's a kind of dual narrative between two um, two friends, one on the German side, one on the English side, trying to you know trying to stop war. And it's kind of about this. It's about like you know when you know that a change needs to be made on a sort mm-hmm. of grand scale, whether to do it sort of in the personal activism sense or kind of via legislation. And is it yeah, it's a thriller kind of around that time. And then there's another film by a director called Babak Envari, who I don't know if you've not seen Under the Shadow. I have. Yes, we, he's doing another. It's this it's really cool kind of London thriller um, about these graffiti artists trying to kind of, you know, get one over on society. And uh, and then they kind of get caught up in, in this very particular mess. Um, so there's that. And then also Shane Meadows, do you know that the director mm-hmm. this is in? doing a TV series called The Gallows Pole, um, which is set in the 1700s in Yorkshire um, about this gang of coiners. Um, and I've got a role in, in that. So, and I've been a massive fan of Shane's work for forever. So to, to be working with Shane was really, really special. Well, you're incredibly busy and I love to see it. So I can't wait to see uh, the work and I can't wait to see the continued success of what it is you're bringing. And uh, once again, awesome job nailing this because man, there were times where, I started to believe. I really started to believe. I'm like, what is George doing in his spare time? <laughs> yeah, back to nature. I'm just naked in the woods near where I live. Basically. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Have a good one. Yes, thanks, Matt. Bye-bye. Take care. I'm running. I have no human form. I have no human form. Jacob, what have they done to you? Natalie, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about your film Wolf here. Uh, I'm really, really excited to chat with you about it. Me too. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I want to first start off by asking about uh, species dysphoria, because honestly, I didn't even know that this was a thing. I didn't know that this was something that uh, existed out there in the world. So can you talk to me a bit about why you decided to explore this very, very fascinating subject? Yeah. So, I mean, like much like yourself, I also didn't know anything about it. And, um, a couple of years ago, I just read, um, or actually watched a little news piece about a woman who believed that she was a cat. And I thought it was quite interesting and started, uh, doing some research into the subject, um, and realized, however, that I didn't, 
necessarily want to talk about sort of species dysphoria per se as a sort of syndrome in real life, but rather I felt like it raised like two questions for me that were quite interesting um, because I discovered that it is on the rise and um, it does sort of mostly like has affected mostly like teenagers and and so on. And so I started thinking, well, what if I depart from sort of real life and what this syndrome means in our world and take this kind of idea about someone who believes that they're an animal and think of it in two in two ways. So perhaps there are some teenagers who don't necessarily feel with every bone of their body that they are a squirrel or a duck or a wolf or a cat, but have a, you know, an inexplicable need to create a sense of identity for themselves, perhaps because of traumas or just feeling very lost in this world. And so they've projected that onto an animal, um, which is obviously kind of the case of wildcat and other patients. And imagining also that then there's one patient who is Jacob, who actually deeply, deeply with every bone of his body and limb feels he's a wolf, you know? And, and I thought if I put this in, in the context of a clinic, sort of remove it from our real world and sort of, you know, then have the opportunity to discuss sort of like, you know, repression and techniques of repression, it would be a, a way to sort of explore themes around identity, you know, both the need to sort of like, let's say, be your true self through Jacob, but also another, I think, aspect, which I think is potentially can be a bit overlooked in the film, but I think is also present, which is what about people who need to create an identity for themselves, you know, and what does that say about them? What does that say about the world that we live in? Um, so, so yeah. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. It's interesting because 
in a lot of ways, if you know you don't do the research into this to discover that it really is uh, on the rise, like you said, one might even look at this as maybe as like a metaphor for uh, gay conversion therapy and other types of uh, centers that have been set up uh, to try and quote unquote cure people of what they perceive to be some sort of a mental illness. When in reality, it's not that, but it can be seen as a metaphor, but at the same time, this is its own real thing, which I find to be really illuminating and, quite frankly, uh, disturbing, too, uh, from a standpoint of, I agree with you. We should just kind of let people be who they want to be, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, I think, like, again, what sort of, you know, fascinated me about the the subject and also why I was like very keen to sort of put it into a space that, you know, that it could be our real world, but isn't necessarily definable as such. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in this sort of prism of a clinic was, I feel like, you know, this, the strength is that everybody can relate whatever identity issue they want yeah. onto this canvas, because again, yes, it's a real thing, but it's so sort of like unknown. I mean, most people will say that they don't, they didn't even know about it. I didn't even know about it. So I don't think it becomes, it has to become a sort of topical uh, point of discussion, but rather opens up just a million questions to which I don't, you know, necessarily have answers, but I just thought, you know, I really, really felt that I wanted to sort of explore the different layers of identity in our society, really, yeah. you know, and I think there are, there, there's many aspects that you can reflect on in the film. In order to pull off this uh, highly believable uh, world that you've created here inside the clinic, you got to get actors that are so committed emotionally, physically, uh, to being able to portray these animalistic qualities uh, through their performances. And so I'm fascinated by uh, the level of commitment that George Mackay brought to this, uh, to you know, to this role here. Uh, can you talk about what it was like bringing him on and the conversations that you guys had prior to filming about how to explore this character? Yeah, I mean, George, yeah, I mean, all of them uh, just did a wonderful, wonderful job. And I think, you know, they always say, like, you know, the right cast is like, it finds itself in the mm-hmm. sense, like, you know, the right person will do the film. And I, I think it's so true. And especially for a film that's as demanding as this, because either you like really believe in it and you really want to do it and you're willing to like, and you have enormous faith as well, like, which is, you know, quite touching <laughs> to a certain extent, especially on your second feature film. Um, but I think, so yeah, with George, like we had a chat and he'd read the script and he really, really liked the script and kind of, but I was very honest with him about a lot of things, which was like, I don't, you know, I don't yet fully know this character. Like I, I, and I said to him, he's the character I know the least, you know, which is sort of quite paradoxical for your protagonist. But for me, he was someone who was full of mysteries and, and that I didn't necessarily think like needed to be sort of like simmered down because again it's someone who really believes they're a wolf like how do you approach that and kind of the most natural thing felt like to approach it with movement you know and to start working on the movement and start working on his wolf self yeah and then find the human behind it you know it just felt it genuinely felt like the only truthful way to approach a character who in from with every breath and every limb and every kind of step he takes feels that he's in the wrong body right because he has to feel uncomfortable when he's trying to be a human so working backwards makes complete sense yeah. I, i'm also really curious to know in regards to um the way that that character 
is portrayed as, as the title of the movie is Wolf, right? So was it always a wolf from day one? Were there other animals in the writing phase that you played around with uh, that uh, that the lead character could be? You know, it's funny because no, there never were. None of them ever change. Okay. I wrote the first uh, synopsis for the film in there was a, a deadline for a, a workshop um, called Lim, which uh, which is where I kind of developed it. And they had like a deadline you need to write three pages for it. And again, I just, I find like writing workshops a really brilliant place to like develop ideas and be in a sort of safe space with other writers. And I, and I thought, okay, well, I had this idea on my mind. It was kind of simmering, but I hadn't put down a word. And I was like, okay, use this opportunity and just write it. And obviously it was a very different, it's very different to the film that we have, but, it, but in some things it was the same. So I was just like, okay, the boy's called Jacob. Like, again, like just so instinctive. He's a wolf. She's a wildcat. There's a dog, there's a squirrel. And it stayed. And it, mm-hmm. it initially, like it did start in the real world and his parents took him there. And, you know, there was, and, you know, there, it was different, but some of those things are still there and, and, yeah. and you look back and like you think god it's funny how you just sometimes make very instinctive impromptu inexplicable choices when you're writing something and they stay until the very end you know and then in some things in film you question them like a hundred like should i have a fragment of a frame more or less or more or is the shade <laughs> of purple purple enough on the background and then like you've never even questioned what the animal would be like mm-hmm. It is bizarre. It's baffling, but I suppose also like what makes, you know, filmmaking so intriguing. At what point, unless if you haven't been told this yet by anybody, but I'm curious to know, at what point did anyone point out to you or you realize that Jacob, Wolf, Jacob, Werewolf, Twilight, <laughs> there's a connection there? I think I read some absolutely slating review of the film. It's know where the where I came up with Jacob from but that's the same with all of my film of characters course, like yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not even sure at some point because his surname was actually Stein and like and, and I think it was George was like oh you know that like your character is Jewish and I was like oh yeah like I mean how is that gonna affect like, you know just like, again <laughs> yeah I just thought I just thought it was a uh you know totally coincidental funny thing is all I'm fascinated by the production design work in this film I love the clear uh very brightly lit window interiors of the of the center and i wanted to hear a little bit about uh what research you did into uh the therapeutic uh ways that these centers are designed uh to ultimately achieve their goals for what they're trying to set out to do with these patients so yeah so the production design has like different elements of it that kind of all came together um and like one was like um the fact that having visited like just in the past some high security psychiatric hospitals like I remember being quite touched and jarred in a sort of in chilling way I suppose with how much color and sort of lightness they would try to like bring to these places in which you know patients were never ever going to leave you know and I and and I was speaking to a patient and he said to me you know he was writing poet had filled his room with poems and and I said oh like that's you know that's really beautiful and he's like yeah, you know, I guess like, what else am I going to do? You know, t- today, tomorrow, the next day, I'm always going to be here. You know, it's just very kind of affecting moment. Um, and so I wanted to bring some of that kind of color, sort of like false gaiety, you know, that that comes with this. I mean, I maybe it's judgmental to say false. I mean, I suppose like, you know, they wouldn't have to make it grim, but there is something that obviously makes you feel a bit sad, you know, about this like excess of kind of, you know, color and ch- sometimes childish 
designs. And then the other, and then sort of when I was writing the script, that was way before even thinking of Wolf, but I think it was sort of in the backdrop of my mind. Mm -hmm. And then when I was writing the script and sort of like putting mood boards together for myself, there was um, a photographer that I really like called Alexander Gronsky. Um, and he had this one um, really beautiful uh, image, which is it's he's sort of a Russian photographer who like photographs like um, suburbs of Moscow. And and it was this sort of like Soviet building with all these silver birch trees and orange leaves. And, and the building was kind of pastel colors. And I just love this photograph so much and thought like, this is the institution, you know? So that became like a real, uh, like a real, just like kind of reference for everything. So even like, you know, the, the, the photograph behind the therapy room, that's like a fragment of Warsaw that the GPUs Polish took. And then when we had to build this indoor garden, like instead of going for maybe exactly just brighter things, we actually use that palette and those trees and those things as references. So trying to kind of marry together different elements. Um, and then the place, like, obviously, like we, we were going to shoot in Ireland and, there's not like, you know, there's not a huge amount of Soviet buildings in Ireland. <laughs> so, so that was quite like, we saw so, 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 so many places. And obviously our budget was very small, so we couldn't yeah. like recreate, but we were lucky to find this hotel, um, which was abandoned. It was like from the seventies and, and it had like naturally had a few of those like colors. So we didn't have to like, mm-hmm. Designer would be like, we changed way too much already for what we could (laughs) working day and night. But it had a few advantages. It had these incredible windows and like great spaces. And 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 you know, as we like with the DP were photographing the windows and stuff, like suddenly I thought, you know, obviously the place is like nicknamed the zoo in the script, but started thinking this actually they're like in an aquarium, you know, and it still has that same, you know, idea of people being trapped and the, that kind of wireism and then using, you know, there was like, he was like just always taking pictures of me in different like windows and stuff. And when looking back, like they were quite strong, you know, this image of people pressed against the glass and trying to shoot through that and trying to, you know, marry that with already a sort of quite boxed in static aesthetic, which we have for most of their group scenes um so yes long answer but (laughs) (laughs) no i love it i love the insight here um one of the things that we love to ask uh whenever we end our interviews here uh since we're always looking around the corner for what is next is i would love to know natalie if you're able to tell us what is next for you in your career well, I guess I, it's so it's a bit early to sort of like say anything more than the fact that I am writing my next project, which is uh, very different, I guess. But probably like ultimately, like the themes are always the same because I think you always just unfortunately kind of write the same things that preoccupy you. But I think it has it still also has like a slightly like absurdist, let's say, uh, touch to it. But it it is a it is a. Um, a drama about a woman and there's a sort of relationship drama in there as well and some humor and some very vague answer but yes well i loved your uh singular vision behind this film and i'm very much looking forward to that upcoming project as well congratulations on the release of wolf and we look forward to seeing what you do in the future thank you very very much all right you have a nice rest of your day you too bye bye hey everyone thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for wolf Natalie Biancheri, and the star George Mackay here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Wolf is currently playing in theaters from Focus Features. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. 
For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it, because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.